0: What is up to all my Millie podcast listeners? We are live with episode 4. I want to give a shout out to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your day and appreciate what you guys do. Wanted to jump right in to NBA playoffs. We had a busy weekend. We were able to determine all of our conference finals representatives. We had Heat, Nuggets, Lakers and Celtics all advance. Lakers put on an absolute beating to the Warriors. Uh, it's, it's kind of tough to see that in an elimination game. happen in the Celtics and Philly game today where these teams are up 10, 20, even 30 points. Uh, and you know it's over before the fourth quarter even starts. Um, and aside from the absolute beating that the Warriors took, unfortunately, I think it's the end of an era. Draymond Green has a player option this year. He is 33 years old. Like I just mentioned, he does have a player option, so he has the full ability to return to the team. However, if he does return to the team, it puts the Warriors in a a terrible position, one that they've been dealing with for years. They are in the luxury tax for now the third or fourth year in a row, and once you start to basically be in the luxury tax for consecutive years, that luxury tax then gets taxed on that, and then you're paying even more money out of pocket. So even if... Draymond Green does not return the team. They're still in that same luxury tax. And I don't think Draymond Green's going to put himself in a situation where he knows that he is not wanted there or he's just there based on a technicality. Um, so I think Draymond Green, this is his last opportunity to get a multi-year um, contract. The Warriors aren't going to be the team to do it. And he'll be able to get money, more money, somewhere else if he goes to a team that's less competitive or looking at him as more of a lesser value of a role player. So while his yearly contract may be less, he will end up making more money if he can sign like a three or four year deal with like a team like the Houston Rockets or like maybe the Jazz. Um, I don't really know exactly where he would go, but I just feel that this is actually the like if Draymond Green re- returns then. That puts Clay Thompson in jeopardy. It just either way you look at it, this team is not going to be the same as it was in previous years. Um, Clay Thompson's in a similar situation where he's in the last year of his contract. Um, he's age thirty three as well, and he's set to make forty three million dollars. Clay Thompson is not worth forty three million dollars a year. And I understand how NBA money works and guys that aren't necessarily huge superstars will still end up having large contracts because it's not like the NFL where you have 53 guys and you have to divide this this lower salary. You have a very high salary cap in the NBA for only rostering 10 to 12 players. So while I believe that Klay Thompson will still be on the team, Draymond Green, in my opinion, will definitely not be on the team. And so it's sad to see because this team has had so much success and it's even like this year, it's like, I really did believe that they were going to make a run for the title after beating the Kings. I really thought that the Kings were not just some small first round team that they beat. Um, but after the Lakers whooping that they put, or excuse me, the, the whooping that the Lakers put on the Warriors, I just feel like this dynasty's done. They have other problems with other players as well. So the small chance that they run back the, th- the same three core guys, I don't see them being as successful as they were this year, which is unfortunate. But it's one of those things, when you're watching these dynasties, when you're watching these great group of guys, not just the Warriors, you really have to like embrace these moments because there's a time where it, it kind of comes out of left field. Like hey, If the Warriors would have won a championship, they'd probably make it work. they probably change some money. they probably extend some contracts. But the fact that they lost to the way that the Lakers, they did, I don't see them running this team back. Um, Lakers take on the Nuggets. The spread is set to five and a half that favors the Nuggets. I'll take the uh, Nuggets to win, but the Lakers to cover. Um, my prediction is this game goes about six, seven games. I really do like the matchup, uh, but I don't have a winner yet. It's not a, um, a t- uh, excuse me. It's not a series that I feel super confident about, and I have to watch a couple games before I decide who I'm going to take in that one. Uh, Nuggets ended up defeating the Suns in six, which brings me to my next point. Um, I wanted to talk about the future of the Suns real quick. I believe that that Kevin Durant trade is going to hurt this team for years to come. I feel like teams get tunnel vision and they try to give up their future, their young assets, and their draft picks just to get over the hurdle, just to get over the hump. Like, oh, you know what? We're a good team, but I don't think this roster can make it to an NBA championship. So they go ahead, they trade Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, four draft picks, in and in a, uh, a pick swap. So now you're in the situation that you have a 38-year-old point guard in Chris Paul that's already dealing with nagging injuries He's had problems for years where he won't show up in some games or at least more in some series later in the playoffs. He always has some sort of injury, and even if it's not an injury, it's it's a production standpoint. Um, You also traded for a guy that will be 35 next year. Kevin Durant will be 35 the following season. He's 34 right now. You also have a center in DeAndre Ayton that – doesn't seem that he wants to be there, and it seems like there's that like um, likeness with the team where they don't want him either. Because he was in trade conversations to go to the Bulls, and it seems like the last two years they just don't. They know that that's probably their best chance to have a center that's going to give them the most potential. But after his production, I don't see that they see the value in DeAndre Ayton. And like I said before, I don't even think he wants to be there. So if you have two parties that don't really want to deal with each other. I see DeAndre Ayton getting traded. Your current bench is Campaign, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, Torrey Craig, and Jock Landell. Like, you don't have much of a team. And you traded away all your assets. You don't even have a first-round pick for the following season. And Devin Booker has proven, yeah, he can be that guy sometimes. He can drop 50. But guess what? If Devin Booker can't score, it's not like a point guard, right? Shooting guard, Clay Thompson, kind of James Harden. He's more of a a point guard, but what I'm getting at is these shooting guards have to rely on their shooting. And I'm not saying that there's not shooting guards that can't pass or don't have a lot of assists. What I'm saying is when you have a one-dimensional player, or maybe he's a two-dimensional player because he plays defense, when he's so limited on on offense and he has a bad shooting game, he's not going to sit there and get you 10 boards like Jason Tatum can do. He's not going to drop 12 assists like James Harden can. And I'm referring to Devin Booker, so now you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant as your locks for next year. What else are you going to do to build around them? You can't trade for players anymore because you just gave up all your assets. You gave up your players. You gave up your draft picks. Oh, and then on top of that, they fired Monte Williams. I don't know what this curse is of coach of the year. But like being coach of the year ends up getting you fired like one to two years later. And I think it's a scapegoat for these GMs that make these moves in the middle of the season. And they're like, no, it can't be that. It can't be the trade that I made mid-season to completely change the roster. And now the coach has to change his scheme or implement a scheme to players that don't know it or aren't good at it. Then he gets blamed for this, this, I guess, level of unsuccess, right? You change the roster mid-season, you fire him because you can't win an NBA championship. That doesn't seem like it adds up. Monte Williams is a phenomenal coach. I'll, I would like to put him in the top five, but if you want to disagree with that, because there are some Hall of Famers that are locks that are just better than him. He's a top 10 coach at a minimum, right? And now you fired him. Now you don't have any assets. Now you don't have any draft picks. You just completely screwed your future to try and just get that championship that you wanted this year. And now you're going to be stuck with problems for years to come. All right, our next matchup was Miami Heat defeated the Knicks in six. Uh, It's just straight-up incredible what the Miami Heat are doing. Uh, They basically have Bam Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and a bunch of role players. Tyler Hero's out. Never really had any other star players to really pick up the slack when those two main guys aren't able to do what they have to do. So that's why I think it's incredible what, what they're doing because these role players have stepped up. And it's been Matt Strews some nights, it's been Caleb uh, Martin, it's been these type of guys. Um, but the main part of that is, I think it goes back to coaching. Uh, Eric Sposo has had success. He took a similar roster in the Heat four years ago to an NBA championship. And you want to know why that I respect that so much? is because he didn't get fired when they underperformed. You have a GM in Pat Riley that realizes, okay, maybe it isn't the coach's fault, or maybe I know the success that the coach has had, and that's not the problem. Maybe I need to go out and get him better players. Maybe I need to realize that a NBA franchise is not is, is, it's similar to a stock, right? When you look at a stock that's gone from $100 to $200 in a 12-month period, it doesn't just go straight up. The trajectory is just not an even line that goes straight up, right? There's dips, there's highs, there's lows, there's spikes up, there's spikes down. But if you look at the grand scheme of the entire thing, you notice, okay, we had this roster, we were able to do this, now we're here, now we're making NBA Finals, and we're seeing success. You're not going to just see straight success, you're not going to just go from 40 wins to 50 wins to 60 wins to 70 wins, that's unheard of, right? So it's awesome what they're doing. However, they match up with the Celtics in not the most favorable way. Um, I want to kind of compare the Miami Heat success to like a Cinderella story in the March Madness tournament, right? So you had teams like Loyola made it to the Elite Eight. And eventually, you just run into competition that you can't see. In basketball, when you're hot shooting, when you're just hot playing as a team, You're just playing off momentum, but eventually that momentum is met with better success or better talent, and no matter how hot I am at shooting at the LA Fitness, I'm never going to beat anyone in the NBA, right? What I'm getting at is Miami's met their match. I don't see them beating the Celtics. I think the Celtics have been here before. They're kind of like, they're not like the Warriors, but with that same... Concept that I always try to talk about with the core. They've had El Horford, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart. They've had a core that's played together. And I just don't see them letting Miami beat them. I think Miami will give them a run for their money. I think it's going to be Celtics and six. Line for game one is set at minus eight. Celtics at home. I like Celtics to win and cover. All right, I want to go right into our next segment. Uh, Things that don't make sense. John Morant and guns. I just can't wrap my head around the decisions that this guy makes. Okay, first time he gets caught with a gun. It's because he's flashing it. He's probably pretty buzzed at the club he's at. He's probably on some Henny. Okay, he does his thing. He's feeling a little tough. Flashes the gun, maybe doesn't know if it's going to get seen like it did because, you know, he's, he's John Morant. Now, maybe not that big of a deal to him. Okay, fine. He gets suspended for eight games, slap on the re- wrist, says he's going to quote unquote counseling. Then he go- goes around, two months later, does the same exact thing he just got in, fr- in trouble for. I mean, what are you doing with a gun and going on IG live so much? It's one thing to do your thing at gangster. Have your Glock on you. Stay strapped. Do what you got to do, my guy. But at the same time, do it in privacy. It's not like other people are taking pictures of this guy and he's just getting caught in a bad situation. It's like, yeah, it fell out of my pants. Popped up on the ground. You're flashing it like you're Chief Keef. You're not Future. You're not 50. You're not Lil Wayne. You're John ja Morant, dude. And I get it. A big problem is... This guy's a superstar and he's 23 he's a kid I get it I'd probably be doing this same dumb stuff at 23 actually at 31 if I was an NBA star I'd be doing probably worse but the thing is I'm not an NBA star you're John Morant. get some better friends it's not other people putting you in a bad situation you're incriminating yourself like how dumb can you be I wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended for the entirety of next season because it's an extremely bad look for the NBA, and Adam Silver's not going to put up with this. I'm sure they had a lengthy conversation the first time it happened. The fact that it didn't happen three, four, five years later literally happened two months ago, or excuse me, the, the two situations that happen are two months apart. Like, come on, Ja, stay off Instagram Live. You know I always got to throw in some NFL talk So I wanted to talk about this Bryce Young video that's out there. Um, So there's a very, very casual video of Bryce Young breaking the huddle in training camp. It's not training camp yet, but OTAs or whatever it is. Comes out, breaks the huddle. I'm telling you, this guy looked like an absolute little boy. He looked like a middle school kid on varsity. And after seeing that video, I know I was big on CJ Stroud not doing well. In a previous video, I was super big about CJ Stroud being the absolute bust of the draft. After seeing this, it's easily Bryce Young. I mean, being even six foot, six one, is tremendously tough for an NFL quarterback to have success. Now you're talking about a guy that's 5'10. And to give you a comparison, out of all the NFL quarterbacks, right now, there's three that are under six foot Kyler Murray Russell Wilson and PJ Walker I'm not even consider PJ Walker is an NFL quarterback he's terrible so you've had guys okay Russell Wilson he's 5'11 he's had tremendous success okay yeah what's an inch but an inch is a lot let me tell you Kyler Murray who knows he might be able to get away with it But being undersized like that, I think that's a main contribution to why he gets injured so much. Because you're talking about a guy that's 5'10", getting tackled by a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", 280, 300 pounds, whatever the case may be. So while it's possible to succeed in the NFL, being undersized, it's extremely rare. And I don't see that to a guy going to a franchise like the Carolina Panthers. All right, guys, that's all I have you for this episode. I appreciate the listen as always. And like I say, every single episode, I'm still trying to get on Spotify. You have to kind of release a couple amount of episodes, get a certain amount of listens before you can get on Spotify. So I know it's super inconvenient to listen to this link. But uh, as always, appreciate the support. Love you guys. Millie out. Peace.